Welcome to Farmer Sean's uh, Bushcraft Horse Care and Knitting Hour, where I'm going to teach you all about bushcraft, all about horse care, and a little bit about knitting. Uh, obviously, that's not this podcast. This is The Skunk, the companion podcast to the articles written on trashskunk.com. If you haven't been there, go check it out. Um, yeah, so things are going great at The Skunk, I have to tell you. Uh, it's been very, very rewarding and very, very fun to see. The audience is growing. Uh, things are going well. It seems like it's getting shared around quite a bit. And what I'm learning on my end is that I don't always have to spend two or three days working on an article in order to have a companion episode. There are certain subjects that I can just kind of dip into, have some thoughts, have some fun, and dip right back out. So yeah, it's an evolution, isn't it? A lot of people don't believe in evolution, but if you do believe in evolution, which is a real thing, you'll see that uh, this is evolving. It's becoming... um, a more fun, more uh, multimedia experience than it was when it initially started, when it was just articles on Trash Skunk. But anyway, enough about me. Why are you here? Are you enjoying these episodes? Are you having fun? Do you feel like you're learning something, or at the very least, just uh, entertaining yourself as you make your commute or spend time in the gym? Well, that would be my goal, guys. And uh, I think I'm finally ready to say that I'd like you to... Head on over to wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's the uh, you know Apple Podcasts or it's Spotify, and drop us a review. Give us a like. Give us a heart. If you're really in the mood, give us a comment. You know that is super helpful. That helps podcasts rise through the ranks from the uh, disgusting proletariat at the bottom of the barrel up to the upper chambers of uh, podcast royalty. So I'd obviously like to be there, and if you can make it happen, I'd appreciate it. Uh, anyway, what I wanted to talk to you about today, after a little bit of self-promotion, of course, is just some stuff that's been going on in the news and sort of what, what it makes me think about, which is really that there is a true battle for the American soul. <laughs> you know, most of the news today has been about the battle for the soul of the Republican Party. And that's a very real thing. And I think I know who's winning that one. And I think we all know who's going to win that one. But Within that battle is couched a greater battle for the American soul, which I think was even Joe Biden's, like, it was on his bus or something. The battle for the American soul. Folks, we need to come together. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting, in the very least, to say. So we all know that, you know, Donald Trump was an extremely polarizing president. Um, he never had an approval rating over 50%. Uh, he had people who loved him a lot of people who hated him, and basically nobody in between, you know, because he was so over the top with his villainy that there's just people who said, hey, look past the a-hole and see the wonderful things happening, and other people that just said, what wonderful things are you talking about? (laughs) Point me to something that I could be happy about with this guy, and I'd be happy to have that conversation. I just see a poor leader and a deranged maniac incapable of government. Um, but within the Republican party, there was a lot of people that really just, you know, got around Donald Trump, everyone from the most conservative Christian who swallowed his sex scandals and foul mouth and, uh, grab her by the, you know, what kind of personality and went along with it because like any good con man, he knew how to say, I'm for you. I'm going to do what's good for you. And so they were like, okay, great. If you're going to hate liberals and, uh, cut taxes on every business and cut social programs so that nobody who needs it ever gets it, then I love that. I'm all about it. And I can put up with your potty mouth and your obviously boorish personality and possible mental illness. I can get behind that. So anyway, Donald Trump came and Donald Trump left. We were all there for it. I don't need to rehash it piece by piece, although I'm sure parts of it will come up again. But now we're at a new spot where Donald Trump lost an election, guys. And he lost it by a lot. Now, a lot by the popular vote, a little bit closer by the Electoral College. But uh, the guy lost, (laughs) you know, 81 million to 74 million and uh, a little bit closer than that in the Electoral College, but not close enough to call it into question. And yet we see a disturbing amount of people, all of them, of course, Republican, none of them Democrat or independent, really who believe that uh, this isn't true. And now there's a sort of self-policing going on within the Republican Party 
where very, very prominent figures are falling because they, uh, they will not indulge in this lie that Donald Trump won and that there was some sort of rigging going on. Don't want to, you know, go over this too much, but obviously there's been 60 plus lawsuits. There was recounts. A lot of the allegations of fraud are about, uh, you know, machine, uh, voting machine companies that didn't even operate in the place where the fraud is being alleged. So you can see there that that's fallacious and ridiculous. This is why the election was not overturned. <laughs> you know, this is why all these lawsuits were tossed out of court. And there actually one lawsuit did stick and there was fraud found. And it was a Trump supporter who <laughs> tried to vote vo twice for Trump. That was the one piece of fraud that really got turned up here. So anywhere you follow the evidence, you will see that the claims of fraud are not true. And if you're somebody listening to this getting infuriated and, you know, opening your Bible that's been carved out to hold your pistol and you're pissed at me, please take a moment, calm down, put your cowboy hat back on the rack and go look at the actual evidence. I'd like you to see what the evidence is. Stop listening to what people are telling you that it is and go find it for yourself. Because if you do that, you will see that I am right and that you are insane, <laughs> okay? Anyway, so there's a purge going on in the Republican Party right now, and it all centers around a couple of key figures that we're all aware of. We've got Mitt Romney, the old catcher's mate himself, the 2012 Mormon uh, Republican presidential candidate that uh, just a few years ago, in 2012, this was only nine years ago, this man was found and voted to be the most competent, most representative, and uh, best candidate that the Republicans could throw against Barack Obama. They said, okay, who really represents the party? Who do we think is the guy for this job to be our president and lead us forward? And they chose Mitt Romney. Now, Mitt Romney, uh, you could say a lot about his background. If you're kind of on the left, then you see him as a little bit of a villain, but he is also a very religious and principled man in his own strange way. Um, no problem in the business world being an absolute uh, monster, but when it comes to, you know, sort of the institutions of America, he does seem to have some modicum of a respect for them. Well, he's been in a lot of trouble lately. Ever since he voted to uh, impeach Donald Trump, uh, convict him on one count, uh, he has been a pariah within his own party. The man who was once going to be the presidential candidate wants to be the president. Now, one of the most hated figures uh, in the party. And on the other hand, we have Liz Cheney, daughter of the Sith Lord himself, Dick Cheney, the man without a heartbeat, who once shot another man in the face and got that man to apologize to him. <laughs> okay? The mastermind of the Iraq War, the mastermind of the mess that was the 2000 through 2008 America that we all lived through, right? Endless conflicts, incredible debt, tons of money spent. You know, if you look at the Middle East, something like a million lives lost, thousands of American lives lost at least. Uh, and just as cold-blooded as a political player on the uh, political right of America as you could possibly imagine. So Liz Cheney is this man's daughter, right? She is a member of Congress, and she is one of the most conservative people in Congress. Like, something in the 90 percentile uh, of her votes have gone along with Donald Trump's stuff. She is absolutely lockstep with being hard right. But there was a line even for Miss Cheney. And that was the lie about the presidential election and also the attack on our Capitol when we were trying to certify that election. Now, Liz Cheney had the balls to tell an obvious truth, which was that Donald Trump not only incited that insurrection, but also that he lost the election. Now, this should be as easy as going to an ice cream store and saying, one scoop of vanilla, please, right? No one in the, in the room should bat an eye about this. We know these things to be true. The people who stormed the Capitol came straight from a Donald Trump rally, they were waving Donald Trump flags. They were a bunch of fat, red-faced, old white people uh, who were clearly aggrieved and would give any camera in the vicinity uh, their very clear opinion on what was going on and who, were they, who they were supporting. Um, so she had the balls to just say, yeah, Trump had something to do with that. Those were Trump supporters. Well, well, well. 
There are dangerous things to say in this world, and it turns out that uh, obvious truths like that can be one of them, especially if you belong to a group of people who operate like the mafia, where anything that goes against the will of the Don is punishable by death. So there's another man involved here, um, Kevin McCarthy, right? He's the uh, House Minority Leader for the Republican Party in, the, uh, in Congress, the House of Representatives. Kevin McCarthy also got up the day or the day after the riot and said, you know, Donald Trump was completely responsible for this. <laughs> he bears absolute re- responsibility. And uh, this is horrible. I think his direct quote is, the president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. And he goes on to say he should have immediately denounced that mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by the president. And then, of course, what happened on the right? Well, it's always denial. It's always deflection. Uh, No one can believe when they see a bunch of 50-year-old white men in uh, militia gear with MAGA hats on. That that can't possibly be a Trump supporter, right? Like, that's, that's crazy. No, this must have been Antifa. This had to have been Antifa because only Antifa... Uh, does anything wrong. They are always the lightning rod for trouble here. Uh, So that was the sort of opinion of Fox News and the right-wing intellectual sphere, if such a thing could be said to exist. Kevin McCarthy actually got up again and said, some people are saying the riots were caused by Antifa. There is absolutely no evidence of that, right? And conservatives like us should be the first people to say it. Wow. Refreshing from a Republican. That's uh, incredibly honest, (laughs) but um, it didn't take long, maybe a week or two, for Kevin McCarthy to change his mind. And keep in mind, Kevin McCarthy was a man who was on the phone with Donald Trump as the Capitol building was being overrun by these rioters and insurrectionists, and he was screaming at Donald Trump to call them off, and Donald wouldn't do it because, of course, Kevin was there for the certifying of the election, and his mere presence there made him complicit in whatever crazy conspiracy theory Donald Trump had about how he's always a winner no matter what the math says. Anyway, time has gone by. Some people have switched sides. Some people have stood by the truth. And as it happens, old Mitt Romney, the catcher's mitt himself, has stood by the truth. Donald Trump lost the friggin' election. Donald Trump was responsible for what happened to the Capitol. Liz Cheney daughter of the most sinister man in America, also stood by that truth. Donald Trump lost the election. You know, the math is in, guys. You know, there is nothing you can point to that says that he won it outside of Donald Trump's own personal heartfelt opinion. And we all know how truthful that tends to be. But Kevin McCarthy, the man whose quotes I just read you about Donald Trump's culpability and the fact that he doesn't believe Antifa had anything to do with it, has taken a complete 180. Complete 180. He now supports the big lie, right? The big lie being, of course, that Donald Trump won and Joe Biden lost. A lie that would take millions of votes (laughs) being wrong to overturn. Um, And what's happened now is that Liz Cheney, who's the third highest ranking Republican, uh, basically in Congress, after Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, is being pushed out of the party. They are stripping her of her duties. She is a pariah now. And keep in mind, again, this is one of the most conservative Republicans they have. And the only crime she has given, or, you know, committed, rather, is the better word there, the only crime Liz Cheney committed was telling the obvious truth. (laughs) You know, Donald Trump didn't win the election, guys. We need to own that. And as a party, as Republicans, we've got to figure out what's next. Because harping on some BS like that is going to do us no good. And as much as I dislike Liz Cheney in this particular moment, I have to admit the woman is right. She's absolutely right about that. And it is costing her her career. You know, Mitt Romney, too. He recently went up on stage, I think, like two or three days ago in Utah, his home state, for which he is a senator. And also Utah is a very, very usually fair-minded, down-the-middle Republican state. Uh, They booed him off the stage in Utah, booed him off the stage for the crime of telling the truth, you know? So it makes me think, basically, I'm not just going over, you know, recent uh, news about Republican gossip, but it had me thinking, it's like there is an incredibly 
large gap in this country between Americans. Most of it is Democrat and Republican, but increasingly you can also see it's just sort of truth versus lies. It's people who can look at data and accept it versus people who can look at data and say, this data doesn't make me comfortable, therefore it's a lie, and anyone who agrees that it's right is my enemy now. Even if they were my best friend 24 hours ago, I will now destroy their career because this data these real numbers and this real math make me personally uncomfortable, <laughs> deeply unhappy. So what's happening here? Well, if uh, a Democrat was doing this to a Republican, this would be cancel culture, right? Oh, cancel culture. That famous old uh, American tradition where Anyone who's conservative and voices their opinion gets canceled for it. Oh, boo-hoo. What a horrible fate for coming out and saying that I want to make a voter suppression law that, you know, makes uh, every single person in one county like Louisville have to show up to a single ballot box and wait for hours in line, uh, mostly to get rid of the urban black vote because Louisville is one of the only cities in Kentucky Yeah, boo-hoo, I want to do that, and everyone wants to cancel me. Okay, well, I would say that's worth canceling. That seems like a horrible thing to do, and I don't see how uh, a voter suppression move like that makes the country any better or any freer or enlivens democracy anymore. That is obviously horrible. So if you're going to get yelled at for that, I'd say that's not cancel culture. But what about just telling the truth to your own party about something that is an obvious lie that also all these people know is a lie. You know, Kevin McCarthy already said on record he knows this is BS. And now he's going along with it for political reasons. So Liz Cheney or Mitt Romney being able to say, hey, you guys need to accept the truth here. You know, yes, it sucks for us conservatives that we lost the election, but I don't see how spinning a fantasy world where we won it and being aggrieved by it is going to do any good. Like, we got to move forward. No, you'll be canceled now. You're canceled as hell, lady. (laughs) It's over for you. Uh, Because this is basically a cult at this point, isn't it? And Donald Trump is the cult of personality head. And these people are all just followers. And Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney are old enough and stupid enough to remember a time when maybe that wasn't the case. But that's the case today. Which just makes me think, we're, we're seeing the exodus of all of the old Republicans who... We might have disagreed with on everything under the sun, but at least they were willing to tell the truth for the most part. These were people who were willing to accept the results of an election, whatever the outcome might be. And if somebody lied, even in their own party, they would say, no, you're lying. Like, no, 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 that's not what we're all about. This person is, is corrupt and they're false and they're telling a lie. Those people are being pushed out. And mass, the party is no longer accepting of anything but the whim of the man who lost the Republicans, the presidency, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. Oddly, everybody still thinks this guy is some sort of a god. He has done more harm to the Republican Party than any other Republican president I can think of. By far, he's done more harm to them than any Democratic president has done to the Democrats. And they've had their share of scandals, too. But there's a weird marriage to this insane old man's, I'm talking about Donald Trump here, of course, his whims and his wants. You know, everybody is afraid of being seen as against Trump. And if anyone ever steps out against Trump, well, the enforcement brigade comes. And of course, they are expelled from the party. They have their careers ruined. And that's that. Now tell me this, Republican listeners, if there are any of you who could hang in this long. Do you think that sounds like democracy to you? Do you think that sounds like freedom of speech to you? Do you think that if a politician runs with a party, they've relinquished every single right to ever criticize in any big or small way something someone else in the party does or the big boss? You think that they just have to fall lockstep in line with the head honcho, right? Yeah, well, of course you do, because as we've talked about on this podcast, uh, conservatives are authoritarians always at heart. I mean, this is the entire ethos of conservatism. Uh, Listen to the big boss, 
give money to the military. We like lots of guys with guns as long as they're on our side. And one big guy who throws his weight around and just tells everybody what to do. And that's the authoritarian state. You guys love that. Don't pretend that you don't. I don't want to hear any of this BS talk about how Joe Biden is an authoritarian or Barack Obama or any of these other people. We have not had an authoritarian president in this country until Donald Trump. And the proof in the pudding here is that the man got voted out. He's not even the president. And all of you are quaking in your boots over what the dear leader thinks and says and does. And he is... He has no power (laughs) except in your own heads. No power except in your own heads. He's not the president. There's nothing he can do to you. And if if you broke ranks in enough uh, numbers, he would never have power again. Somebody else, one of you could be the next president and God forbid the next Donald Trump. But no, because of this mob-like authoritarian mindset, anyone who speaks out is punished immediately. You know, the other capos and underbosses in this organization will whack you. (laughs) That's what's happening to Liz Cheney, and that's what's happening to Mitt Romney. You know, somebody like Matt Gaetz, I think, flew to Wyoming to uh, give a speech about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, an impassioned, angry speech about what a POS Liz Cheney was and how she had to go and that he was going to help primary her. Right? Because the ultimate crime is to speak out against the president, now the ex-president. Well, fast forward a couple weeks, and Matt Gates, of course, is in trouble because he's alleged to have been paying teenager for sex, <laughs> sex trafficking and pedophilia. Uh, we'll see if those charges stick, but it would seem to me that if you have a good conscience, that's a much bigger crime, right? Uh, and then not if that wasn't bad enough... Uh, also offering to bribe Roger Stone to, you know, float a pardon for him by Donald Trump before he's even been accused of a crime. These text messages are out. This is all public record now. You can go look this stuff up. So anybody with principles like Liz Cheney is just getting attacked by these mad dogs like Matt Gates. you know, people who are alleged to be sleeping with teenagers and involved in graft and trying to buy pardons from the president, you know? Uh, This is the new Republican Party. This is the new Republican Party. This is the party of Trump. That's what we're seeing here. And it's scary because on the other side, you see, of course, pull out from the Republican dog show or whatever you want to call that. There's, of course, the Democrats, you know, the other 81 million people who voted for Joe Biden. It's a very big tent from progressives to moderates to people who have never voted before and just know that they hate Donald Trump. All those people are involved in that. And it's an entirely different America, right? So let's look at Trumpism, and then let's look at that. I think first we should sort of define what is Trumpism. Because clearly the Republican Party is married to that idea. They say it all the time. We're Trumps, you know, we're Trumpism. What does that even mean? (laughs) What ideas does Donald Trump have? Please, tell them to me. What's his ethos as a human being, as a leader, as a political thinker. What does Donald Trump want? Have you ever really heard anything specifically from Donald Trump where he gets up in front of a crowd and lays out an agenda or a plan for things he wants to do? The only thing I've ever heard is I want to build that wall. That's a big one for him. And then it's usually about an hour of ad-libbed attacks on other people, by the way, delivered with the uh, eloquence and wit of an eight-year-old. Like, I would love to get on a podium across from Donald Trump and let him try. I would. It would make my day. Because Donald Trump is not funny or clever. His insults are literally like talking to a kid. You're sleepy. Well, you're just a big bozo. Everybody knows he's a dum-dum. Everyone says it. He's a dum-dum. Please, please put me up against this guy. This is so... Amateur hour. I mean, an open mic night comedian could defeat this guy. The only way that people don't win against Donald Trump in a debate is because people are trying to take the high road with him. You know, most career politicians realize that if you get down with a pig and mud and roll around in mud and shit, uh, you're just going to get covered in mud and shit and the pig will love it. You don't win here. That's a famous saying. I didn't make that up, but it's true. So when you see somebody like Joe Biden or even way back in the day, someone like Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz, they'd try to debate Donald Trump and he would just say, your dad's a serial killer, your wife's a fucking ugly dog, you're an idiot, you're a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. And they would just say, I, I'm going to try to take the high road and not do that. 
But then Trump won. And this is Trumpism. Trump won because people who like Trump are themselves drawn to anger, mean-spiritedness, bitterness, insults, and cold-heartedness. That was his platform. There was no policy. It was meanness. That's what attracted people to him. You watch that candidate in 2016 or 2020 and just take in his persona and his complete lack of plans or agenda, his complete lack of policy, lack of ideas, lack of anything you would expect from a leader, and instead you're just barraged with angry insults and bullshit. And you take that in and think, that guy should be the next president of the United States. <laughs> you only think that if you yourself enjoy mean-spiritedness and lies and government by insult the way that Trump does. That, that's the only way you see value in this man. That is Trumpism. It's just a bitterness. It's grievance. You know, it's... Uh, vengeful feeling against the winners in life, right? People who have nice lives and are happy. Maybe they're liberal. Maybe because they're feeling so good in life and things are good, they have room in their heart to care about people who aren't doing so good. Well, these people are the enemy of Trumpism. Trumpism is 100% zero ethos, zero ideas, one, and 0% and, uh, useful solutions, <laughs> Right? Again, we go back to something we've mentioned before uh, <clears throat> on the show, which is that what policy did Trump have? He passed a tax cut for the rich, for corporations. Great. It did nothing. That's the only piece of legislation he was really involved with. Everything else was just an executive order that if you, you know, list them out on a Word document, looks like something Satan would draw up uh, if he was just president for a day. Hmm, why don't we uh, just get rid of all the EPA rules that protect the environment? That would be great. Why don't we uh, abandon our allies in, uh, you know, Syria? Let's let all those Kurds get killed. Why don't we illegally assassinate somebody in a country that we're allied with? Why don't we start a trade war and uh, leave our allies in Europe uh, begging for money and threaten them that we won't protect them anymore unless they pay up? This sounds like a really great way to govern. And also, America first, after being the leader of the world, or at least the free world, for the last several decades, why don't we just leave everyone holding the bag and tell them to fuck themselves? <coughs> That's Trumpism. And people love it. People absolutely love it. It's kind of crazy. I have to wonder where the appeal is here. And you look around at the results, which are obviously so pitiful. You know, the man was not good for the economy. The man let more people die on his watch due to his inability to even comprehend COVID-19. He, he wanted to tell us it was going to be over by next weekend, every weekend for a year. <laughs> you know, he famously didn't want to wear a mask. He famously got COVID, gave it to his wife and everyone else in the White House, uh, got preferential treatment from the most amazing doctors in the world and overcame it then came out and still didn't wear a mask and said it was a hoax. And then, as he was leaving office, uh, basically shit-talked the vaccine and then behind closed doors got the vaccine himself before flying to Mar-a-Lago to pout and ride around in a golf cart. Is that a leader? Like, seriously, any, I would love somebody to come on the show and tell me, what value do you see in that sort of behavior? And that's just one issue. You know, that, that, the COVID thing is just one part of his many, many failings. Well, people will come up with reasons for why they think this is okay. All of them are obviously ridiculously wrong and easily disproven. But what it really is is that Trumpism is about being a mean person and celebrating being mean to other people. If you like Donald Trump, you're in love with a really mean guy. And you're okay with it because he's really mean to the people that you're mad at and aggrieved with who are actually... Not really concerned with you, you know, as far as the anger goes. If anything, the other side that you're so mad at is trying to get you a, a better shake in life, you know? Trying to tax the rich to pay for your kid's school. Trying to tax corporations to make sure that you have health insurance. And I know I talk a lot about school and health insurance on this show, but that's because those are incredibly important things. 
and places where Americans are abused by private industry. And all we're trying to do is stop that. And your solution is to vote for a guy in an ill-fitting suit who just wants to call us names all day, and you think that that's governing. Okay, well, great. This is why I say there's two Americas. <laughs> there's, there's clearly two Americas. One side of this country is extremely compassionate and understands the issues and is willing to pay to write them to help all of us. <clears throat> and the other side is just basically interested in name-calling and being a sycophant and a suck-up to an obvious con man. There's a player, uh, I think his name is Craig Robinson, in the Iowa Republican sphere. He used to have some important role there. I'm not sure that he does anymore, but he recently tweeted, um, be careful how mean you are, you know, to all these Republicans about Donald Trump, and be careful how angry you are about Donald Trump, because you can't discount and you can't disrespect the voices of the 74 million Americans who voted for him. Okay, well, next time pick a better guy, <laughs> you know? I'm not trying to say that all of you are evil. I think you're deceived, and I think you're aggrieved, and I think you're bitter. But I'm not saying that, you know, you're a bad person. I think Donald Trump's a bad person, and I think your voting for him says a lot about you. Why the hell would you vote for somebody like that? And by the way, don't disrespect the voices of the 81 million people who legitimately won the election and voted for somebody who is anything but an a-hole. And I know that you want to paint him as one, but please, do your best. It's always pathetic to watch. Think about this. 46% of Republicans were polled after the killer police officer Derek Chauvin, who obviously we all know from killing George Floyd and sparking a uh, a year's worth of protests across the country, 46% of Republicans polled believe that that man was wrongly convicted of that murder. Even though Derek Chauvin is on tape for nine minutes, kneeling on the neck of George Floyd as he begs for his life and choking him to death with that knee. He killed him on tape. <clears throat> it's all on camera. We've all seen it, right? That's a very clear act of murder. And 46% of Republicans looked at that and thought, no, that was actually really cool. Like, he absolutely should have done that. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Watching some cop kill some guy who's begging for his life and not resisting or doing anything wrong over nine whole minutes and being like, well, I'm really upset that cop got in trouble. That guy clearly deserved to have the life strangled out of him. That's amazing to me. And yet we're supposed to believe from these people that the property damage caused by a Black Lives Matter protest was the real crime here. I think this is very dishonest. I think that this is extremely dishonest. But it is all Trumpism, right? I'm going to commit an enormous crime in front of your face. And then I'm going to get mad at you for having the gall to accuse me of committing a crime. <laughs> I'm going to show up to your house. I'm going to shoot your dad in the face. I'm going to light your car on fire. And I'm going to spray paint the skunk on your lawn. And then I'm going to leave. And then when you call the police and say that I did that, I'm going to act incredibly indignant that you would accuse me of such a thing. How? There's no way. You're a liar. That's fake news, right? That is the feeling one gets, at least from the left, when you see 46% of Republicans thinking that Derek Chauvin didn't murder that guy. <laughs> Or that Donald Trump didn't commit these impeachable offenses, which he is on record committing. Even the ones he wasn't impeached for that he should have been, like calling uh, you know, the Secretary of State or whatever it was from Georgia and telling him to dig up new votes because I need to win Georgia. That is the most corrupt phone call I've ever heard in my life. And keep in mind, I've heard other Donald Trump phone calls. You know, how do you say that as an American politician? Hey, I lost the election. I need you to find me 13,000 votes, capiche? Well, sir, no, we don't. I mean, the, the votes were counted. We, uh, we, you lost. That's just what it is. No, you're not hearing me. I need 13,000 votes. Do you understand? That is the definition of corruption, and that is the definition of mob speak. And you know it, and I know it. And every Republican 
in Congress and in the Senate knows it. But Trumpism isn't about the truth. Trumpism is about the lie. And it's about being a sycophant and climbing the ladder and cynical political gamesmanship. Which is why when I see somebody like that Iowa Republican Craig Robinson say, please respect our thoughts and our feelings, you know? 74 million of us voted for this man and we're very disappointed that he's not the president. Well, I'm seeing directly into your heart, sir. And I have to tell you, all I see is you being drawn to mean-spiritedness and lies and abusive behaviors. So why do you need me to be so respectful of that? I obviously don't think that every single Trump supporter is a mean-spirited person necessarily. They're clearly drawn to it, but it doesn't make them mean. You know, I question the attraction there, but I obviously 74 million people is too many people to just say they're all bad people. No, I think there's something else going on. I don't see 74 million awful people, but I do see 74 million people who were conned by an obvious con man that, for whatever reason, they fell for. <clears throat> this I've seen way better con men than Donald Trump. I've lived in cities my entire life. Hustlers like that are everywhere. People who talk a lot and say nothing, right? And there's no... Nothing you can pin them down on. Oh, this is the best. Oh, you're going to want this. Yes, this is great. It's absolutely the best. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I've done this a million times before. You can use all these sort of like superlative, hyperbolic pieces of language with somebody. And I guess if you're naive, you can be fooled and be like, hey, he said it's, he said it's the best. <laughs> you know, this car with the bumper falling off and the raccoon in the, in the engine, he said, it, he said it's the best. I, I should buy this car. You know, and look, he's got a suit on. I Sure. I feel like it's as simple as this for how people have fallen for this. And this is why there has become this dichotomy of America. You know, there's two Americas now. There's people who have been sucked into thinking that being an a-hole and being mean and having no ideas and governing by insult is the way forward. Um, And that people who are compassionate and who believe in the government as a force for good are evil, right? They're the authoritarians, not the not the cult that I belong to who worships this one guy with a spray tan and a horrible hairdo. No, that's not the authoritarian cult. It's these guys over here who want to do good things and are compassionate and constantly talk about, you know, civil rights, voting rights, things that affect everyone, things that matter. It's unbelievable to me to see uh this split so pronounced, you know, there's always a certain amount of people who are misled in this country, but to see it right down the middle. And even if they were right and I was wrong, it would still be just as alarming because it's still right down the middle, right? If they should be as alarmed as I am, if they really believe in the cult of Trump and Trumpism, they should be just as upset and scared, but not angry, right? I don't want to hurt Republicans. I'm not... Yes, I'm, I'm frustrated with them. You're definitely going to pick that tone up from me. I won't deny that. I'm frustrated with them for being so foolish and mean-spirited, but I'm not mad at them. I don't want to hurt them. But there is a very real sense on the other side that they want to hurt us. These are the people who have militias and who have these bumper stickers that I've seen so many times that say, like, if you voted for Biden, fuck off and die. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. Okay. Welcome to America 2021, everybody. If you voted for this person, you can fuck off and die. Now, I think that if you voted for Trump, my instinct is, wow, you know, you're really that gullible, huh? But I don't want you to die. I want you to get smart. Trump ain't worth your energy, and he's not the president anymore. God willing, he never will be again because he was a horrible one. Like, think about the other things you hear from these people are the lies about how great his economy was. Oh, And it's all because Trump says it himself, right? I created the greatest economy in the history of America. So even the people who aren't comfortable being out and out racist and getting on board with Trump on that level will still say, well, for all the baggage he comes with, you know, the economy was stellar. It was the best it ever was. This comes back to the critical thinking thing. Why don't you look that up? Go look at the numbers. Look at any number. Look at GDP growth. Uh, Look at unemployment. look at how the stock market performed, look at anything you want. Trump had far from the best economy. 
It wasn't the worst economy. I mean, it, actually, it was at the end <laughs> during COVID because he so fumbled the ball on that one. But no, Trump, you know, inherited eight long years of uh, unemployment dropping under Obama, and the trend continued. It actually slowed. You know, I think Obama, in his final three years, added 8.1 million jobs. And in Trump's first three years, you know, it was like 6.6. So if anything, the momentum cooled on the unemployment front. Uh, the, The trend did continue, but the speed slowed down. And then if you look at the stock market returns and the percentage gains year after year, Obama crushed Trump every single year, every single quarter of every single year. He was not the best president for the stock market at all. In fact, he was the most volatile president for the stock market. It's true that 18 of the 20 uh, trading days that had the you know, highest percentage gain within one day, 18 of those days took place under Trump. Yeah, it's pretty great, you know. Well, 18 record-setting days where we made the most uh, intraday percentage gain in the market. Sounds impressive until you remember that all 20 of 20 of the highest <laughs> loss days also occurred under Trump, and the percentages lost in those days are greater than the percentages ever gained in the, in the record-setting gains. So what this means is that the stock market was interesting under Trump. Most importantly, it was volatile. <laughs> it was very volatile and unreliable, and any investor will tell you the one thing that sucks the most is volatility. You can make a lot of money if you accidentally time something right and catch it on the upswing and sell it at the top, but you can also lose a lot of money if you try to do that and wind up having it go the other way, right? You wind up spending at the peak and selling at the, at the valley. Investors don't like volatility. Steady growth, that's where you want it. So Trump would love to brag about the stock market on days that it was doing good, but then on days when it would drop a thousand points and tank and the news would be going crazy about it, he liked to pretend like he had nothing to do with it. Now, interestingly, uh, studies have been done here that show that on days when Trump tweeted more, the stock market did worse. And on Trump, on days when Trump tweeted less, you know, five times or less a day, the stock market did great. <laughs> and you can't say that the president has everything to do with the stock market. That is true. But you can definitely correlate the leader of the free world and the leader of our country recklessly tweeting about trade tariffs and all kinds of crap, economic news, telling lies constantly. You can absolutely directly correlate that to the way that the market performs because never before has a president been so reckless with the information he delivers on his private social media about billions of dollars of tariffs coming tomorrow. F China, hate those guys, you know, and all of a sudden the market goes down a thousand points and well, yeah, do you think that's just a coincidence? And do you think it's a coincidence that when that guy was quiet all day and things were peaceful, everything sort of did better? Yeah. Again, these are things you can look up, and I urge you to do so. Please go look this up. Because it's important to know. You know, the myth of this man and the myth of, of the America that these 74 million people see is just this wonderful thing. It's just that. It's a myth. It was horrible. Like, the craziest thing to me is... Does anybody really, really, really want to go back to the last four years? Even if you're a Republican, do you really think that was us at our best? You know, do you feel like that was us as the shining beacon of hope to the world where we had this incredibly handsome, articulate and talented leader that everybody looked up to and all Americans got along well and, you know, things were going great. Do you really feel that way? Because if you do, you're out of your mind. That was not the last four years at all. I was there. There was a pandemic. You know, we lost half a million people in this country. The markets were volatile. Uh, The country was more culturally polarized than ever. People hated each other. For the first time in our entire lives, we had an armed mob storm the Capitol building to try to prevent a presidential election and hang every member of Congress and the vice president that they voted for. Do you really want to go back there? Like, I don't care if you're a Trump voter. Look me in the eyes and tell me that was a better time. Or even that that was the best time. You loved that. Because if that was the best time for you, then I would submit to you that perhaps you're an awful person. That was clearly not the best time for the country. So if you put owning the libs and mean, nasty politics and name-calling above the welfare of the country, then sure, I guess I could see how that would be your favorite time in American history. Because that was the reign of... 
mean nasty politics and name calling and corruption and all that stuff. It was really the halcyon days of all that good old stuff. So this isn't like, I mean, yes, on some level, this episode is 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 a kvetch about Trump, but it's more a kvetch about how he still has such a grip over his party when he was such an obviously bad influence and a bad force for them. As I said at the beginning, he lost the Republicans the presidency, he lost the Republicans the Senate, and he lost the Republicans the House of Representatives. Almost none of those things were anticipated to happen. He he completely screwed everyone by his just out-and-out corruption and repugnance and ineptitude. You would think, moving past that, Republicans would be like, okay, even if I loved that guy, uh, we got to find a new strategy here because he was repulsive to most people, <laughs> you know, by a 7 million vote margin. We need to find something else to do. That was a nightmare, and we can't go back there. But no, instead, anyone who's an adult in that party is being expelled and kicked out, and the crazies are taking over. That's what I can't wrap my head around. It really is It really is crazy. And it, it, the worst part about it for Republicans is they, they were given on a golden platter a moment in history where you could say to them for once, okay, guys, Time for some new ideas, right? Because it's always incumbent upon Democrats to have the ideas. The Republicans' job is always to shoot them down and obstruct them. Because again, this is the party of conserve, 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 regress, regress, regress. No new government, no new ideas, regress, regress, regress. We want to talk about the Civil War and how much fun it was. It's, it's just this, this abyss of ideas, and that's what they're famous for. But they finally got to the point. It got so nihilistic with Donald Trump and so anti-intellectual, anti-thought, anti-progress, anti-anything that they finally hit rock bottom, or so it seemed. And they could have taken that opportunity to say, all right, well, shit, this isn't working at all. We've literally flown this plane into the ground. Um, we have to figure out how to fly again. Like, what can we do? What's our new ideas? You know, if we don't like what the Democrats are doing, what's our counter argument? But no. Instead, it's like the pilot who flew the plane into the ground and all the passengers are climbing back into the wreckage of the plane and the pilot's putting his friggin' earphones back on and jiggling on the, you know, the flight controls like, all right, uh, Jim Jensen to tower. This is Alpha Bird 3-5. We're trying to get this bird back in the air. I think she's still flatworthy. I have a feeling we can make it uh, all the way over to England today. He's like, sir, you just crash landed in Arizona and the plane is a complete wreck and it's on fire. You're not getting there. No, no, Alpha Niner, I think we're clear for runway two, if you can give me that. And it's like, dude, you guys are out of your minds. <clears throat> but the worst part is that they might actually fly that plane again. <laughs> There's a very real possibility where these people who are climbing into this bankrupt, uh, broken wreckage of a hull uh, of ideas called the Republican Party might be able to get that bird back in the air one more time. And if they do, oh man... Are we in trouble? Because they've learned from the last time. They didn't learn how to rebrand themselves or step away from the ugly nastiness and just downright malignant, like anti-human viewpoint of Trumpism. They've learned that all they have to do is just rig the voting system. That's why you see these new uh, voting laws uh, in places like Florida that make it incredibly difficult for people to vote. Texas looks likely to follow suit. Uh, they're trying for it in Georgia as well. Their idea isn't how can we get more Americans to agree with our uh, mean-spirited, nihilistic worldview. It's how can we screw more Americans who with positive attitudes uh, from voting? You know, let's make sure that those people just never vote again, and then we'll always win. Which is, of course, the ultimate nihilistic, mean-spirited, and e evil thing to do. So, of course, that's the path they're choosing to take. It shouldn't surprise anybody. But it should scare everybody. It's terrifying to see what they're doing. Expelling anyone in their party that dares speak out against this, you know, passing laws in places where they struggled or lost last time that will prevent them from ever doing it again, you know, this is a problem. It's a huge problem. It may still be defeated, but the fact that 70-something uh, percent of Republicans honestly believe that, you know, the election was rigged and that Donald Trump won, it's, a, it's, it's just such a 
symptom of something so wrong. And I think it ties into the critical thinking thing. It's like, how can 70% of these people not be able to just look at the data and understand it? And they're more willing to take the word of people who have a, a skin in the game and are obviously biased, Fox News and Donald Trump and all these other people. These people are not neutral reporters of information to you. You realize that, right? These people need you to believe this for their benefit. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't matter what the truth is. And they're also proven liars. They lie about everything. You can look up a, a, practically any word that's come out of Donald Trump's mouth when he was president, tie it to what happened, and you realize it's a lie. How many times did he have to tell you COVID would be gone by Easter, guys? Was it gone by Easter? No, that was just the beginning. It wasn't even gone by the next Easter. <laughs> Come on, dude. You're better than this. We're all better than this. This is absolute insanity. But more importantly than any of this stuff is just I want to point out, like the whole goal of this episode was the, the two Americas and the two attitudes we can have, not only towards one another, but with the truth. And just in life in general, one of these attitudes is so negative and so just vile and angry and, and anti-everyone and anti-everything and slavish devotion to a lie, despite all evidence. And the other one is just nice, <laughs> for lack of a better word. I, I hate to make this so black and white, but I'm afraid it's become cartoonishly so. You know, the villains in the Republican Party have become like cartoon villains in a comic book who are so upfront about the evil stuff they want to do that it's there's no nuance left anymore. I mean, think about the fact that Trump's big guy, Matt Gates has been outed as an alleged literal pedophile who is trying to pay Roger Stone, another awful person, for a pardon from Donald Trump. Rudy Giuliani just got his house raided by the feds. He's the one that put on the big lie uh, thing to begin with, you know, giving his famous speech that will be remembered forever in history books where he stood uh, between a dildo store and a crematorium in front of a landscaping business to talk about the election lies. And then amazingly, in the middle of that was told that, you know, the media had just called it for uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> He's like, oh, the media doesn't call it. And they're like, no, the, the media is reporting that it's been called. He got furious. There's that side of it, and then there's the side of people who are just like, I want more people to have the right to vote, and the access to voting, more importantly. More people need to have it. I want people to have health care. I want to rebuild these bridges. I want to make sure that when we detain immigrants at the border, they're not locked in a dog kennel, but at least get some sort of a bungalow. You know, Maybe it isn't a larger enclosure, but at least there's running water, and they get to see their families. Compassion. Humanity. <laughs> You know, and you can have that without being a Democrat. I'm not saying everybody has to be a Democrat, but I am looking at everybody on the right right now with great interest to see, hey, what side are you going to take? You're going to be a Mitt Romney or a Liz Cheney, or are you going to be a 100% down the rabbit hole cultist who relishes in the sick mental fantasies of a deranged man and will throw anyone and everyone, including your own family and children, under the bus in order to please this person because you think it might get you ahead. Even though this man cost you every, you know, practically every house of government and uh, has been a humiliation on the national stage, it really all still has to revolve around him, huh? Well, have fun with that. You know, anybody who's ever known an actual narcissist in real life will tell you how this always winds up. It'll never be good for you. You're locked in a cage with a dog that will eventually bite every other dog in that cage. And now he might bite nine dogs before he gets to you. And of course, you think you're safe as he bites all nine dogs. But guess what? You're the 10th dog. Trump will bite you too. And that goes for Matt Gates not getting his pardon, you know? That goes for everybody in Trump's world. Michael Cohen, uh, <laughs> what is his name? Yeah, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort. Everyone around that guy who thought that they could benefit from him got bit in the ass and thrown under the bus. Mike Pence, his own vice president. They came for him with a noose, guys. Do you want to be in that world? Is that your worldview? Where it's all around this one guy who is just so clearly like a Marvel Comics supervillain, plus 200 pounds and 50 years and with the worst diet you've ever seen in your life and the brain of a friggin' possum? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. 
Get a better candidate. That's my point. To people like like that Iowa Republican who tweeted about us being sensitive to the 68 million people who voted for Trump and not being too mean about it. Well, I have a really quick solution here. Get a better candidate. Run someone who's not such an obviously mentally ill, evil person. Run someone with some ideas that I can interact with and be like, oh, okay, well, the Republicans think this. I never thought about that before. That's a fascinating idea. Instead of someone who just comes out and calls everybody names. Because I'll never vote for that in a million years. Even if we have the weakest Democratic candidate in the world with policy that's murky and crappy, I'll take somebody with even that policy over a name-calling moron and an obviously angry authoritarian. You know, I, I want nothing to do with that. So anyway, with that being said, I mean, I, I realize it's been a little bit of a rant of an episode, and rightly so, you know. I, um, I think this is something that's worth ranting about. I really do. I think that as we depart the shore of Donald Trump and sail out into uncharted waters on the SS Biden, uh, and we hear a lot of people on the boat talking about how nice it was back on shore, it's worth reminding everybody, and it's worth talking about, no, we left for a reason. You know, we are pilgrims on a boat to a new land, and the shore we left behind, we left it for a reason, guys. We really did. And... If everybody wants to keep talking about it, you know, especially indulging in the fantasy on the right about how great Donald Trump was, because I have a feeling he's going to soon be made into a martyr figure. And there will be almost like a, you know, how the way that the Southerners look at the antebellum South and develop this sort of rose uh, tinted view of how wonderful everything was. And like, well, those slaves loved their masters. Oh, they loved them. They'd come up and they'd have chicken and watermelon together. And it just goes into this weird racist fantasy where the black people are really happy on the southern plantation. I think we're in danger of painting that picture of the Trump presidency. And that's the reason I feel like even just a little over 100 days into the Biden presidency, I feel like I need to say this. Let us pop that balloon every time somebody tries to inflate it, right? I will happily be the guy with the needle at the little kid's birthday party popping every Trump balloon that someone tries to blow up. And you should too. Let's never go back down that road. Ever. So if I had to make one episode where I'm indulging in the Trump rant, and I apologize for that because I do honestly believe that these things are fires that are best not given oxygen. But sometimes you just gotta call it out. When you see things happening, when no, you need to burst the bubble. So when you see the good Republicans and... (laughs) getting kicked out of their own party. And I use good, even there, hesitantly because of the things that Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney have done, but at least they're willing to tell the truth. And if they're getting kicked out, that's a time that we should stand up for them. Because if we don't stand up for them now, we're only empowering the people that are worse than them. That's my whole point here. So anyway, if you can't tell where I'm at with it, That's where I'm at with it. I think Trump was a horrible president. I think that people are trying to whitewash his presidency and there's going to be a uh, a nostalgia there from the meanies and the nasty people who miss uh, every day being a scandal and an insult and just the complete denigration of our dignity as a nation. People are going to miss that and you need to nip it in the butt. And if you can't, hey, I've got a microphone. I'm happy to do it. I hope that the whole show doesn't become that. I'm going to fight hard not to make it that. But someone's got to say it, and I know I'm not here. So with that said, I promise you next episode will be something fun, non-political, and uh, hopefully really informative. Anyway, that's been The Skunk. Take care, be nice to each other, and I'll see you on the next one.